I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. She's back in the building. It is an absolute pleasure to be back with my co-host with the most G from Woe TV. What's going on? Well, I'm happy to be back, but I'm not happy to report that the window's open and the cats, the alley cats, are, they're back at it. So, <laughs> we might hear one or two of them getting ran through on the broadcast. I just want to let everybody know <laughs> that this is just where I live in Brooklyn. It's not me. So, if you hear funny noises, it's all good. But I am back, Mike. How are you? How was last night? I'm real. Oh, man. What an incredible night of fights. We had everything. We had subs. We had KOs. We had DQs and we had fighters, fighters doing God's work, putting their elbows across men's necks who beat wives. I love to see that. <laughs> I'm here for that. Right. Doing God's work right there. Right. And don't forget Dominic Cruz did God's work too. He beat up the king of toxic masculinity right now, Casey Kenny. I was happy with that. And there you go. There's just so much, Mike. Let's get into it. I'm excited. Yeah. You know something? I just want to just take a second though, just to pause and just acknowledge one thing. Mm -hmm. By the time this actually comes out, and by the time this is actually being consumed by our audience, now typically, um, what happens around about this time, around about this date, is International Women's Day. And I just wanted to just pause and just you know acknowledge you, G, just for International Women's Day going forward and actually going back. Because the theme this year is challenging inequality, calling out bias and questioning stereotypes. And you, for me, personify that. Not only that, I think, hands down, you know, capital letter, full stop, you are one of the formidable forces in the podcasting space. And I just want to acknowledge that on this day of all days and on this week of all weeks, International Women's Day, International Women's Week, G, it is a pleasure to actually broadcast alongside you. Oh my God, I am like smiling from ear to ear like I won <laughs> like a Nobel Peace Prize. Thank you so much, Michael. And I thank you for reminding me it's International Women's you know, Day, Week, Month. I'm happy to be a part of it and I'm flattered and I can't wait to see where we go with all this podcasting and stuff and I'm having a ball and thank you for you know allowing me to join you on this journey because I'm having, like I said, a ball. The pleasure is all mine. You know what's coincidental, though? You know, I hadn't actually planned this segue, but it just piqued my interest. It actually uh, prompted me to remind you. Mm -hmm. It's International Women's Day, but another, um, well, I suppose thematically um, linked um, event is actually happening, and that is Meghan Markle's interview with Oprah Winfrey. Are you up on that? Are you into that? Are you actually going to be watching that? Are you linked um, spiritually or even um, in any way, shape or form with Meghan Markle? Don't laugh at me, but I am old school into the you know, the crown and the royals. I'm over here worried sick about Philip that's in the hospital more than what's wow. going on with Megan and her husband. Like, wow. I am so over racism and just, it's just so much and it's every day. Like, of course, Megan and Harry are having issues. She's, she's mm. half black. She looks black. She's black. So, of course, people are dragging her and like spreading lies or in, in, embellishing that she's a drama queen because that comes with being black. You're just seen as a bad person or a criminal so everybody guns for you so I'm kind of like mm. over that because I live that I talk about it I walk it I'm black and we already know that so that doesn't really get my gears going I'm waiting to find out if Philip is going to be okay and get out the hospital because I just absolutely love the Duke I love Philip 
And I don't know why. He's probably, I'm not going to lie. He's probably racist as shit, but I don't know. <laughs> but I love him so <laughs> <Yes>. much. <laughs> yes. And that's just it. I can't get over that. And for me, what I see with the royal family, we've been here before, so this is no secret. That you're no stranger to how I feel about it. I see the personification of racism and years of oppression and the fact that they've ex exploited through their family lineage, um, not just the UK um, serfs, but also, you know, black people in general and in particular. I mean, you go to the British Museum and you see, or even, you know, the, the Tower of London, you see the crown jewels. Where did they get those from? Where would, were those plundered from? It just makes me kind of like, um, well, sick to my stomach to know that with all of that context, Meghan Markle knew what she was getting herself in for. And now look what's happened. I feel that this interview, okay, I've not actually consumed it as yet, but... I really hope that it does shed a light on the fact that this is drawing a line in the sand and this type of approach, this sort of like beatdown, especially the UK press have um, subjected Meghan Markle to, has got to stop because we really don't want history repeating itself because we know what happened to Princess Diana. So for me, I'm really hoping that this will be a watershed moment. I hope that she will speak quite openly and quite frankly about, you know, the fact that this needs to cease and desist. Yeah. And, and for me, it's like I'm stateside and I'm seeing something that we're dealing with all the time in my life. In, in, in the media and just as a black person like we all know why they're dragging Meghan Markle and as a black person that yeah. is not from the UK I'm exhausted of this same theme and nobody listening that we are being treated mm -hmm. differently all the time like I feel bad for Meghan because it's like she married into this family she's a decent young lady and yet they don't treat her the same as her sister-in-law and it's very obvious why it's because she's black and I just I get so tired 100%. of that yeah and then after like I pick and choose what I want to pay attention for or speak about because self-care comes first. As a black person, I cannot consume all this racism and just oppression being thrown in my face. Like you have to like take care of yourself and not consume all of it. So when it comes to the royal family, I don't keep up with the Megan debacle because it's so obvious yeah. what's wrong with it. But at the same time, I find fun in like the older, you know, the older people in that family, the the grandmother, the Philip and stuff like that. And plus I blame Netflix. I don't give a shit about these people. Then I watched the show and now I'm <laughs> I'm into this, yapping about it on a podcast. Like mm. you know, I don't know them or anything like that, of course, and stuff like that. But the show really did get me into them and of course my boo Philip. But I think he's gonna come out the hospital and be all right, even though he's like a thousand years old. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> You know what, moving swiftly on, I think it's time that we got onto the UFC action which took place this past weekend. UFC 259. Now, in the time-honoured and traditional fashion, we're going to take two um, fights that actually, well, piqued our interest, made us sit up and say whoa. So, again, in the time-honoured fashion, I'm going to be a gentleman and let you go first. Well, let's get busy with the early prelims. Um, I want to talk about someone that I think is special, and that person is Euros Medic. And Euros Medic and Alan Cruz danced last night, and in the first round, Euros completely took care of Alan Cruz. It was a beautiful, beautiful fight, okay? Beautiful sequence that got Alan down. And also, Pay attention to this kid. He's from the Contender Series, and his record is, right now, it's 7-0. and But he's just, Joe Rogan was right. There's just something special about this kid. I love how, yeah, yeah I like how ferocious he is with his striking. I like that he comes forward. I like that he's, you know me, Mike. I love a technical motherfucker, and this kid is technical. Even the mm. sequence in which he knocked um, Allen down. Beautiful, beautiful, technical, tight in the pocket, wonderful, follows up and with that killer instinct and finishes him in the first round. And let's not forget, in the Contender Series, finished his opponent in the first round, similar fashion, TKO punches. Then he gets his UFC debut against Alan Cruz. And guess what? TKO punches first round. And prior to that, in AFC, don't laugh, Alaska Fighting Championship. We've talked shit about this organization before on this show. <laughs> but, but also in that organization, First round knockout, TKO. The kid might, mm. we might have somebody special here. I'm not saying he's going to be a title challenger, but I'm just saying, like, this kid is fun. He'd be floating around on the prelims. Mike, we need to keep an eye on him. 
But what caught your eye? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think because the two that caught my eye are right up at the the, the top end of the the prelims, Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't mind you going again because, like I say, my two um, were the last two fights on the prelims. So you want to discuss who's that so that I don't double back. You want to discuss Tim Elliott and Jordan Espinosa? No, um, Cruz versus Kenny and Sung Yudong versus Phillips. Okay, perfect. You took like the most like interesting fights to talk about. I'm going to beat your ass and start picking first, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is so funny to me. But um, yeah, then you know what I'm going to go with? Carlos Uberg versus Kennedy, and I'm not even going to try to say his last name. Can you help me out, Mike? Kennedy. Kennedy Zenchuku. Chukwu. Zenchuku. Very nice. Okay. So, Kennedy went at it. I'm not going to try with his last name. I'm going to say it again. Kennedy and Carlos came at it. And I really, I picked Carlos to win. I'm high up on him. He's hella fine. He's got like heavy yeah. hands. He comes, don't say yeah when I'm talking about how fine he is, Mike. <laughs> no, but no, you know what? As a heterosexual man, um, secure in the knowledge of how I feel about women, I have to acknowledge the man was a catwalk model up there. Yeah. He strolled in there with vibes of Luke Rockhold. The man was handsome. Yeah. Got to give him that. And so I'm not, I'm not going to hate on that. I hear you because I'm comfortable in my sexuality. I'm gay. I don't. I don't sleep with men at all. And I think Carlos Uberg is the finest hunk of love in the UFC. He is so beautiful. <laughs> um, let's go back to the fight. We're distracted. Um, so Carlos comes out. I like that he came out swinging. He landed some hard shots, and he led me to believe he was going to win You know, the fight. And especially Kennedy came out. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you noticed this, but he kept a high guard but wasn't doing anything. He was coming forward no. with that high guard, but a part of me was like, Tentative. ooh, yes. He, a part of me was like, this kid is nervous. Like he, It's almost like he didn't know that this was a fist fight. Like, oh, shit. So, But what happened was is that Carlos's mouth started to just kind of open up and look really fucking tired. Like, he looked horrible after a while. And Kennedy started to open up, and Carlos realized that Kennedy hits really hard, and he just started to yeah. land these bombs on him. And towards the second round, he couldn't withstand that storm anymore, and Kennedy put him down. But what I love is that... Kennedy had us thinking he was shook, he was tentative, like what the fuck was wrong with him, and he winds up winning the fight by what? Patience, being calm, composed. Everyone Mm. at home was talking shit. I know I was one of them. I was on Twitter like, what the fuck is wrong with him? Is he fighting or what? Throw a punch. No, my man man was like, settle down, woman that doesn't fight. I'm going to just... You know, contain myself. I'm going to, you know, keep my composure and my wherewithal. And I'm going to let Carlos Mm. wear himself out with all those sexy muscles. And then I'll come through and beat his ass. And that's what we saw. And, Mike, this was like the theme of the prelims and the card. Whoever was getting their ass beat found a way to make it happen and come home a winner. So this was one of those fights. Yeah, Yep. I mean, it wasn't the most technical fight in the world. But if you like a good slobber knocker fight and like an upset, Go back and watch Kennedy versus Carlos Uber. Oh, 100%. And mm-hmm. I think that this is an opportune time to talk about the spaces which are now unfolding on Twitter. KGB, uh, and shout out to KGB, hosted a Twitter space yesterday. It's the equivalent, I suppose, of Clubhouse, where audio is kind of like the means by which you actually communicate. So, obviously, with Twitter, it's text, but this is an audio platform within the Twitter space, hence the reason for the word space, describing what's actually taking place there. Now, I have to say it was well moderated, well um, put together, and I love the vibe there because, I don't know about you, but I'm getting a certain kind of like repetitive vibe on Clubhouse where it's quite toxic. Whether it's down to the moderators (laughs) or moderation, you know, it can really make me feel, why am I here? Why am I subjecting my mental health to this? Because it's very, very caustic in some cases but twitter spaces it's within the same app so i don't have to jump from app to app plus you can invite people in their familiar faces actually fill your space so i'm I'm loving it and it's a little bit it needs a bit of tweaking in terms of how i interact with that and watch the fights because i had it on this is how addictive it was i was in twitter space for four hours solid and i loved it me too i loved it 
it was great well done and again i know she's probably listened to the show um kgb did an incredible job actually moderating that space and she's a good moderator because it's like if you act crazy she is gonna take your mic so she keeps the (laughs) you know like she keeps the trolling and the arguing down pat because like it twitter clubhouse that's what i like to call it even though it's called twitter spaces the trolls do show up or you have yeah. people that are like, why are you taking it personal that I don't think Jan is going to win this fight? Why are you raising your voice? What mm-hmm. like, And she'll just take your mic and be like, you need to just settle down. So, And she doesn't say anything either. It's not like you know it. You just that's can't it. speak no more. Like, yeah. Yes, like that's and, right. And I love that's that. Right. That's why. Yeah, go ahead. That, that's why I love about her moderation there is no argument, there's no war there's no preamble, you just can't suddenly speak, that's because you're being a dick yeah and it's like we it's like she creates those spaces so that we can talk laugh it's like it should be considered a safe space people talk about weed in there people talk Mm -hmm. about it because you know if the fight's boring we'll venture off and and discuss other things and we want to feel safe we don't want somebody in there like cutting up and shit we're just actually having a good time and it's changing the perception of people mike i unblocked somebody that i could not stand and is like love this kid now so it's like Twitter spaces changes the perception of some of these Twitter accounts. Like, it's it's hella weird, but fun. That's the one thing that I haven't actually seen happen or figured out, excuse me, um, if it's uh, an issue or not. Let's just imagine I'm blocked. uh, Sorry, I've got someone blocked who um, you get on with. Um, Do they enter the space and vice versa? Yeah, they do. I actually... um Oh, really? Is that how it works? Yeah, last night I have the Cardio McGregor account blocked. Like the, right. it's, a, it's a huge troll account on MMA Twitter. And unfortunately, when it was a trend to make fun of me, he jumped on that bandwagon and made my life miserable. Mm. My online mm. life miserable. He kind of directed all the trolls to come at me. So I've been blocking him for years because he just gets off on that type of stuff. But in Twitter space, it was like, hey, what's up, bro? We kicking it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like that because I don't take that stuff personal, but it's nice to know that some of the trolls don't mean it. They're literally doing it for likes, but they're decent people yeah. in, the, in the space, which I thought was very interesting. Like, I liked talking to him, but I don't like when he makes fun of me and sends thousands of people after me. So I keep him blocked yeah. on Twitter, but we can chat in the Twitter space. He's cool, you know? So, which is a very interesting dynamic to the to the platform, and I look forward to doing more, and I hope, like, if you guys are listening or listen to the show, join us, just behave, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's really simple. I mean, just follow us. I'm at Mike Woe TV. And where are you at, G? I'm at Just Gina MMA. And most of the time I'm in KGB's spaces because I cannot create my own. And I'm fine with joining hers because she does such a great job moderating. So make sure you look out for that on fight nights or just any day and jump in and talk to us about MMA. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm one of the fortunate ones because they're beta testing it at the moment and I've been able to create spaces. Typically, uh, I've been doing uh, created spaces with Robin Black and they've gone down really well in terms of like the traction and in terms of like the subjects we cover. There's been some real interesting debates and topics in there. But speaking of real interesting, getting back to um, UFC 259, I've got to chime in now with Song Yedong versus Kyla Phillips. Now, this is the type of fight that I would show people about this notion of records being for DJs. Because really and truly, Kyla Phillips coming in there 9-1 and one, and Song Yedong, the killer Song Yedong with the reputation coming in there 16-5. Right. and five, You know who you'd be going towards. You know who you'd be resonating to. You know who you'd well, be picking to win because I was going for Song Yedong. Me too, because you're picking the guy that is like damn near outside of title contention. Not the surging prospect at the moment. The guy who's closer to the title is closer to the title for a reason. He's really fucking good and beats people Mm. up. So, of course, you're going to go with that fighter versus, like, Kyler Phillips, who's just, like, a dynamic striker, but is still just a surging prospect. So, of course, like, you're going to put money on Sadong, but... I mean, Yadong, but what type of performance was that? Kyler, exactly. best performance of his was, career, if you ask me. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think, I think it was Jamie P who I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal this from. She said he looked like a shrunken or a, a, a squeezed down Michelle Pereira. And, I mean, talk about performing in a kind of like Michelle Pereira type fashion. 
the audacious spinning kicks, angles and wrestling was incredible and there was no let up in pace or footwork, it was just like relentless pressure and the thing that I loved about this fight, Song Yudong was like, yes, yeah, so and come on then, let's go. Yeah, like he's down, you know, and, and, then, at, yeah. and then at any moment his power shot because, you know, he's a heavy-handed, you know, even though he's a, mm. a good wrestler, he's a heavy-handed striker. He will put you down. And at any moment, that can happen. So even though Kyler was being dynamic and coming forward, and I also liked what he was doing defensively, I saw a lot of slips. I saw a lot of head movement. And I also saw him when he did get hit with one of those bombs. We always talk about this on the WOCast. It's important to keep a poker face. At no yeah. point did I see him wobble or anything. And I'm sure being at the end of Yadang's um, power punches is painful and you want to show mm. that your legs are going out but this kid kept his composure even when he got knocked upside the head and I yeah. like him that's like veteran savvy type of experience to me when it's like you know I'm not going to show this guy I'm hurt but I'm sorry y'all mm. hit him hard of quite a few times so I like <laughs> I like that about him but Mike I'm going to tap myself on the back here Always watch the motherfucking prelims. I've been, you know I've been noticed this motherfucker and his dynamic striking on the prelims. And that's where I'm going to give you your flowers because it's because of you that I was there watching these prelims. And I'm thinking to myself, I would have missed this. Mm -hmm. Seriously, this was really mega entertaining. When you don't watch the prelims, what you do <clears throat> is that you rob yourself of somebody yeah. who just hasn't had a breakout performance. Do you understand? Like when Kyler, Kyler Phillips last night, he had his breakout performance. Look, Jamie's talking about him. You're talking about him. You're like, what the fuck? Who is this guy? But when you watch the yeah. prelims, you already know. You get like a, a heads up on who could be a title contender. You get a heads up on like, okay, you're not a title contender, but you're going to be fun. So now I'm going to watch your next fight. Like that's my Jimmy mm -hmm. Croom. That's my Ricky Simone. You know what I mean? Like not necessarily do I think you're going to beat up Peter Yan or be the next champ, but I got to watch your fights because you're a firecracker. And that is Kyler Phillips. So when I saw that they matched him up with Yadong, I was like, oh shit, we got a, we got a good <laughs> fight here. But I picked I pick song. I thought he would be. I thought he would edge this kid out, and I'm shocked. And this kid, Kyler Phillips, he really did have his breakout, phenomenal, best career performance. It has to be. Oh, 100 percent. And I totally agree with you. Now you talk about oh shit, no shit moments. The oh shit moment for me was Dominic Cruz and Casey Kenny being on the undercard, being on the prelims, and I'm thinking to myself. Why is this? But in all honesty, I'm not trying to diss him, but this is how I see it. That was a prelim-worthy performance that Dominic mm -hmm. Cruz put in. It's clear. I know this is uncomfortable, and I know to, you know, Cruz fans, this is going to be like heresy, but he is looking very much his age. He is looking very much um, like somebody who is in perpetual recovery because of his body being like stitched back together yeah but i love the fact that he compensated for this by the irregular and herky-jerky movements that he was using to offset casey kenny's timing and it was done with precision right. and i love beautiful? the way as well like yeah. how he was interrupting like his timing was flawless the flow? yeah mm. go ahead mike sorry i love the way as well um casey kenny got manners. I mean, talk about the perfect way to actually solidify. Look, you don't talk about women like that in a public space. You don't actually, um, especially you're on their undercard. And um, Dominic Cruz let him know, look, mate, <laughs> you're being managed right now. But no, going back to Dominic Cruz, it's clear for me that we're looking at maybe one or two fights left in this, you know, this former powerhouse. Mm, yeah. I Am I mean, talking out of turn here? No, no. I mean, it was, it was like a bittersweet win because I, I feel what you're saying. On one hand, I was like, ooh, my baby Dom looks so slow. But then I was like, oh, but Dom has some premium fight IQ. Look how he's fucking this kid up. Like, basically, this kid's rhythm is, is trash now. Dom is doing, Dom was slower footwork-wise, but motherfucker was still working. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it was mm. sad to see him slower. But it was working and he was winning. And on top of it, he's a smart dude inside the cage and out inside the cage last night. What did he do? Secure takedowns when you're fucking supposed to like a goddamn vet. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he he secured his win when he was supposed to. And I always think that is such a sign of high fight IQ because 
when you're in there, you're dealing with the stress of fighting, injuries or whatever the hell not, and then you gotta remember when to do something so that you can win a fight, that's brilliant. And that takes experience, and Casey Kenny, dumbass, don't have that yet. Although he is experienced, let me walk back on that. He is experienced. We've talked about this on the show before, but not enough for mm-hmm. Dominic Cruz. That vet, even with his old bones and his slow-moving ass, he was still able to, to beat this kid, and I'm so happy. I picked Casey to win, but I'm overjoyed Dominic Cruz won. I'm still upset about what Casey said, and I don't like the fact that Casey bragged about having Dominic Cruz figured out, and then you come out, and you don't have him <laughs> figured out. Cody Garbrandt <laughs> yeah. figured him out. When, when, when mm-hmm. Dominic Cruz is figured out, you know what happens? He gets destroyed. Henry Cejudo figured him out. Henry Cejudo perfectly timed a knee to Dominic Cruz's head. Why? Because Dominic yeah. Cruz always overleaps and throws with that left hook. What did Henry mm-hmm. do? He, he knew that. He trained for that, threw a, a knee, ended the fight. Same thing. You know what I mean? Cody Garbrandt, he had that timing down packed. And he was faster than Dominic Cruz. What did he do? Outclassed him, did some breakdancing moves, and, and, and beat him up. Casey did none of that, but bragged about being able to outwork him and figured him out. No, sir, back to the drawing board, and I love it. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> love it, love it, love Maybe it. Maybe Hold on, Mike. Hold on. Since there yeah. were so many fights, I just want to discuss yeah. a few things on these prelims before 16. we move. Right. So let's. Let me, I'm gonna make this real quick, but there's some things we just mm. can't like not discuss. First and foremost, Lavinia Sosa is from Invicta. She had a very lucrative career over there. I'm quite shocked that her her UFC career is not working out. And it, it kind of bothers me a bit. And also, Amanda Lemos, another prelim fighter. Y'all, yeah. y'all start respecting her hands. You saw those straight rights she was dropping or like a, yep. just a jab that just had Lavina like, oh shit, what's going on? She didn't know where, yeah, she didn't know where she was. Exactly. Now, let's get to what the controversy. Was that a um, an early stoppage by Herb Dean? I think so, and it, it 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 leads me to believe. I don't know. Maybe again, rein me in if I'm speaking out of turn. But could it be that this is a woman taking punishment, but not that much punishment? But he was way too quick, I think, to stop the fight. And when you look at subsequent fights where he should have been quicker in there, um, made me think. Maybe there might be a little bit of a gender bias here. I could be wrong, though. I am prepared to take it on the chin that I am wrong here. Right. Here's what I think. I think I think the truth is in the middle. The stoppage was fine to me, believe it or not. However, if there was two men, De- Dean would have let them thump a little longer. That's my yeah. problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I can't complain yes. too much about the stoppage because he did the right thing. But then in the back of my mind, I'm like... Weren't you the referee that stopped the Aspen Lad fight with GDR? Yeah. Weren't you? Yep. Haven't you been involved in late stoppages before? And then especially every time we we complain about late stoppages with women, it's Herb Dean that's typically refereeing. You know what I mean? Like mm. it, it, it yep. he did the right thing, but it didn't come without controversy, is what I'm saying. And let's also talk about um, some more controversy. We had so much tea and controversy on this card. Mike, it, yeah. it's unreal. Kai Kara France versus Rogerio Bontarin. Okay, I'm probably butchering the last name, but hear me out. First round KO that I did not see coming and was the theme of the night. The person getting their mm. ass waxed came back out of nowhere and beat somebody's ass. I thought Rogerio, rightfully so, was going to submit Kai Kara France. He was smoothly and aggressively climbing his whole body the whole first round and was going to submit him at some point. And it led me to believe Mm. that Kai Kara France better work a little bit more on his jits in the gym if somebody can climb him (laughs) like this. But but I hate speaking like that. I don't fight. But I did think that, you know. Secondly. No, but it's facts. You're you're calling it as it is. That is exactly what was going on. Yeah, yeah. I just feel so bad. Like, I don't agree with, with um, Robin Black saying media people or people that cover the sports should have a professional fight. But I do feel bad that I don't train as hard as other people or train as consistent. And I'm out here like, he needs to work on his jits. You know what I mean, Mike? <laughs> anyway, I'm distracted. Let's talk about the end of that fight. What did you think? Again, Herb Dean is in the middle of this controversy. I was at home. I was high and didn't quite understand what was going on. Herb Dean didn't stop the fight, but he did. Kai Kara France... Um, called the fight on his own, ran off, and then he came back to hit him. Herb Dean said no, and then Kai Car France came back to like laugh at the dude, and it was just a mess. <laughs> Can you clear this up for me, Mike? I need your wisdom. What the fuck happened? You see, 
it, it was chaotic in there. You're right. Um, Herb Dean needed to be a little bit more assertive in what he was doing and basically the, the, the decision he was making. But we've seen this before. He does fumble the bag quite often. And um, I don't know in the debriefs what actually happened, but this seems to be a recurring theme. You're right. It was chaotic. It was kind of like, what is going on here? Yeah, I was I was so confused, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, maybe the edible kicked in or something. But I'm like, nah, like, we're all confused. And then, like, mm. again, who was in the middle of this controversy? The most controversial rep- referee in the game, Herb Dean. Congratulations. Like, <laughs> I can only talk like this on the podcast if I even try to shit on Herb Dean on my Twitter page, which I think is okay to do because he's always involved in controversy. His stance mm. attacks, so... I feel a bit more comfortable saying it here. I think he's a controversial ref. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about that on, on Shots Fired because I'm onto something with him, and I think I need to do a little research. And then... W- I think as well, Go you know, ahead. Dan Hardy, um, who's no stranger to giving Herb Dean hints and tips, he has said on, on Twitter, I just read recently, uh, well, re- uh, literally within the last hour, I'll do a video on this as some people still don't understand what's wrong with it. Well, so I, you're not the only person who's, you know, we're not the only people talking about that there seems to be an issue here. Well, Mike, if you have access to your phone, I just sent you a DM because apparently, breaking news, y'all, Dan Hardy has reportedly been fired by the UFC and BT Sport following an alleged incident with a female employee on Fight Island. I have not read the mm. article yet, but that is the... The title of the arg- of the um, article, so we shall see. There's more controversy coming from this card. But Mike... Wow, well, that would explain his recent outburst then. Oh, I want to fight Nick Diaz. And he seems to be kind of like herky-jerky in terms of his direction. He acts so like someone... this it, puts things in context. He acts like he has perimenopause, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, he just seems incredibly <laughs> emotional. pause. What's that? Oh, it's like the menopause before menopause. Like women tend to act crazy when they start to enter that phase. (laughs) Matter of fact, the kids on Twitter think I'm so old that I'm in menopause, which is so far from the truth. But (laughs) it's hilarious. (laughs) But yes, I think I've just pulled this up. I think it's worthy of note. UFC analyst Dan Hardy was reportedly relieved of his commentating duties by the UFC in BT following an alleged incident. I just read that to you. Fight Island. Yep. So. I, I'm looking at the report now. It's all stemming from Dave Meltzer, who reported in the latest edition of his newsletter that Hardy was allegedly involved in an incident. Now, this is the same. You might, you, you may have missed it. I put it in the group chat earlier today. It's the same um, report that uh, Front Row Brian, who's no stranger to controversy himself, but also no stranger to getting things quickly before um, others in terms of reporting put on the table so I, I kind of like got the heads up but this kind of puts things into context now and I don't know about you but it, it strikes me that this has been on the table for a while when you think about his recent antics when you think about what he's been saying and doing recently but no doubt you know what I think that considering we've got so much to cover on the docket today I'm going to bring this to the table um, good, good. on we the should. forthcoming shots fired. Yeah, because I was definitely, I made a joke, but I'm definitely alluding to what Dan Hardy acts like he has a mood disorder. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's just always, wow. he's arguing with, with the officials when he's emotional. He's the one that either summons a ref over to him or goes straight to him to curse him out. It's like, I understand you're upset, Dan, but you still are a business professional. When I'm upset at work, I just cannot simply curse someone out. It's just that simple. And I can't be behind the scenes arguing with people that I work with. And that's why I made the joke. Like, it sounds like he's going through menopause because it just sounds like he doesn't have control over his emotions. How many um, Dan Hardy shenanigans are we going to have? And some of them are even online. He's very nasty to folks online as soon as you start poking at him about his return. So it's just I wonder if he needs to take a step back and just relax and learn how to ignore people. You're right. Yeah. I don't want to reach for the CTE button just yet, but <laughs> no. Would you? No, no, no. I'm I'm being serious as as a as a kind of like um as an idea and and, and as a as an angle. I mean, a lot of behavioural ticks, difficulties, and issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it it does make me feel as though perhaps perhaps CTE is at play here. 
I mean, I say I I um I don't want to joke around with this, but every time a fighter yeah. does something peculiar, I just think about if it's not CTE, at least it's some form of brain damage. Like yeah. when you get knocked upside of the head a lot, you're going to affect. Which Dan part, has. Yeah, which. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, okay, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it to be mean. These are facts. Ooh, Dan Lord. Hardy has had his fair share of trauma, particularly to the head. I think they all have because we're not there for training. You know how many times they've probably had their little equipment taken off and somebody slapping them, bringing them back into <laughs> into consciousness behind the scenes. No, but it's true. You know? Yeah, like mm. it's it's true. So I know for me, every time a headline hits, like Mike Perry slashes his leg drunk, Connor is upset with an old man for not taking a free shot. I can, I mean, I can go on and mm. on. I always think like perhaps getting hit in the head a lot affects these fighters' behavior. And it's like, we like yeah. to say CTE, but it could simply just be, you've been concussed too many times. Now you're just angry. Now you dizzy. Now you this. You know what I'm saying? Not necessarily, oh, you have CTE. You could be developing it. But I'm starting to see a pattern with bad behavior and people that get hit in the head a lot. And speaking of, allow me to segue into more bad behavior. We have mm-hmm. to discuss the fact that Tim Elliott last night beat up Jordan Espinoza. And what were we privy to because of no fans? We got to hear yeah, Tim Elliott the call. Conversation. Yes, we got to hear a very private conversation. Had no idea that Jordan Espinoza was involved in some sort of domestic violence incident. And Tim Elliott felt like he was the hand of God and wanted to make sure that Jordan yeah. got some type of beating for it. <laughs> the and redeemer. I'd, and I'd just like to say this. I don't know all the facts, but thank you, Tim Elliott. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it feels good that he stood up for whatever random woman maybe Jordan possibly put his hands on. Thank you, sir. We need mm. more of that. Fuck it. I'll say it. So I No, like no. I, I, I'm backing you on that. And I think, you know, maybe more needs to be done to possibly help fighters actually going through this. Because can you imagine what his spouse or partner is actually going through if that is what they are living with? The daily nightmare that... Not only are you being abused as a woman, uh, you know, by a professional fighter, but where else are you going to go? Because this is being done in your home. Right, right. And then I get that people are going to be like, oh, we don't know Jordan's version of the case, ba 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 ba. But let's remember. I think that's what he was saying whilst he was being like, uh, they all say that. He's being remonstrated. They all say that. Take it from a former cop. They all say that. And here's another Mm. thing from a former cop and also statistically. Most women, when they report domestic violence or rape, most of them are telling the truth. Statistically, the victim is usually telling the truth. That is why I'm going to jump on the Tim Elliott bandwagon and thank him personally for thinking about victims that tell the truth and also having a little fun in there and getting to put his hands on somebody that he thinks did somebody wrong. And also, I'd like to throw in there, too, we don't know Tim Elliott's side of the story. What does he know that we don't know that he felt the need to do that, too? Yeah, You know, so like, I'm just going to sit back and appreciate Tim Elliott. And I love that his wifey came out. She was happy with the win. She gave him a good kiss. And I'm like, girl, you got a good man on your hands. Good for you. So definitely. I'm, yeah, definitely. I'm happy. Repping for International Women's Day ahead of exactly. International Women's Day. <laughs> exactly. And I think Tim should be acknowledged for that. It's nice to know he was raised properly. Unlike a lot of the fighters yeah. in the UFC, which you can see were not. So it was it was a nice it was a nice night for us and Tim Elliott. I will say that. Mm. Yep, with you there. One more, Mike. I know it might be a long show because there's just so much, but last night was our Super Bowl. I just want to say that Askar Askarov fighting Joseph Benavidez was a typical trying yeah. to get an older fighter who gets paid a lot the hell out of here. And the reason why I say that is because Askar is on title contention. Joseph keeps getting beat up. So they put them together yeah. so that we see what we saw last night. And I'm telling you, Joseph got to retire, man. I don't want to see it no more. He's a good guy. But when somebody is out grappling Joseph Benavidez and someone who's not known to be a striker is out striking him, I think it's time to take a seat. What do you think, Mike? Well, I'm just trying to like pull up really quickly his record because if we're looking at this whole notion that you know, the UFC are going to go on this cull spree and look to uh, cut fighters. He is in that wheelhouse. He is in that territory. That's three losses in his last three fights. Now, for me, because of his age, because of the fact that he's been doing this for the longest while and because of these three losses, 
I would say the UFC are perfectly within their rights to actually um, cut him. But you know what I would do if I were him? I would head them off at the path. And I would say, okay, perhaps it's time for me to hang up my gloves and spend more time with my beautiful wife, Megan O'Leary. Because really and truly, four losses, or sorry, three losses on the bounce. And, you know, we're not talking about... uh, fights where he hasn't taken any damage he's taken substantial damage in all of these it makes me think mm, maybe you should be the person who actually decides where your career is going before somebody makes that decision for you yeah yeah i totally agree and and, and it was just so sad to see his face last night you could tell he was like holding back the tears and how could he yeah how can you not blame him i mean figure figure destroyed him twice you know what I'm saying? Back to back. And then Ascar comes out and like dominates Joseph Benavidez, one of the best fighters to never have a title. He's actually elite. He's just never won a title. He's good enough to sit at yeah. the throne yeah. and defend a, a belt. But the circumstances in his career have kept him from doing so. It's just unfortunate. But again, it pisses me off that someone as loyal as Joseph Benavidez and a fan favorite and also a good man. You don't hear him in no allegations, no rape, no nope. beating nobody up, nope. and he just hangs out with nope. his wife and they appear to be happy. Why can't he mm. get a nice fight to be sent off? Why they gotta JDS him? Why they gotta why they gotta put him up against somebody that should be fighting for a title when clearly he should not be fighting anyone that's close to a title. I hate when the UFC Whoop. does this, but it's business. Jesus. Well, exactly. We know how it goes. They are looking to make substantial um, cutbacks. And I can imagine that he is worth a pretty penny and commanding a pretty penny salary. So I can understand where they're coming from. I can see why they're doing this. They've made no secret of the fact that they are looking for people to go or to cull and to cut. It looks like he's in the firing line. Yeah, and a lot of them are. I mean, they, they cut... Um JDS after he turned down a fight with my um, Tabura because he, he yeah. didn't have enough time to get ready for that fight and they cut him for it. Why? Okay. Yeah, why? Because that's a fight that um, Tabura probably would have won. He's a surging prospect. You know, so they're looking for ways to cut them. But it's like, can we cut the old heads and maybe put out a tweet saying how much we appreciate them and thank you for all the years? It just seems so cutthroat right now. But it's an opportunity, not yeah, a career. Yeah, but you know, I'm just a fan, so maybe I'm <laughs> I'm getting emotional, but the business side is not meant to be emotional. Like you don't see Overeem and JDS complaining about a farewell tweet. It's the fans, so maybe I yeah. need to relax. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into the main card now: Tiago Santos and Alexander Rakic. Rakic is a phenom killer. For me, is he a killer or is he just really good at fighting? No, he's a killer. He is a killer. You could see those killer instincts in there. And having looked at, come on, his previous repertoire, this guy's an, 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 an assassin. Is but he? We have to that also last remember. fight with yes. Alexander, um, with Anthony Smith, was his ground game was impeccable. Boring as fuck. This fight with Tiago, <laughs> impeccable performance, kind of close. Now, I wouldn't say impeccable, but I do think he was the winner. Boring as fuck. Yeah. Boring as fuck. His last two fights are not helping him, Mike. Alexander had the nerve to go fist bump Dana afterwards, and I wanted to be like, Dana, don't give a fuck about your performance. He was just as bored as us, sir. <laughs> he likes exciting fights, and if he keeps fighting like this, they're going Leon Edwards him. There's nothing yeah, about his. Pers- there's nothing about Alexander's personality that gets us going. Uh, fans are not emotionally tied to him, and he's starting to do these grappling heavy, um, boring performances. Keep it up. You're going to be put on a waiting list. Come on. Negating Tiago Santos's game, uh, I think, is worthy of being commended. And not of course, only that, of course. Yeah, you're right. It was, it was a different approach from Alexander Rakic. And I like fighters who actually mix up the game plan, and I like fighters who make that mid round or um, mid fight adjustment. And Alexander Rakic, for me, is definitely one to watch. I see him as an assassin. He's a killer. And the way in which he prepares, the way in which he kind of like dissects his opponents. Come on, he deserves some props here. No, of course. You know, like I started off, I started <laughs> wow. off tough. But anytime yeah. a fighter wins, they should get their props. My concern mm. is that I know that Alexander Rakic, Rakic, or however you say his name, I'm so terrible. Rakic. Rakic. Alexander yeah. wants a title shot. 
This is not how you get it, though, in an, in an entertainment type of business. And then on top mm. of it, he's doing it two fights in a row. The fans are going to start, like, he has to win over the fans as well. I, I'm concerned that if he keeps, you know, having these fights where he wants to grapple or, or have close fights and, and he's not electrifying, he might get lost mm. in title contention sauce. I mean, there's, there's, you know, what if John Jones comes back? Izzy's coming back home. Who, like, if he keeps fighting like that, no one's going to call for him and, it, you know, Izzy to fight. Like, I... I don't know. I can't see him getting lost in the shuffle. He's recently signed with MTK Global. If you know anything about MTK Global, they get what they want. Yeah. And they demand what they want. So I don't really see um, his advancement, his his career being blighted or being stunted. Okay, I, I see him getting the I I see him getting the opportunities that he's due. I mean, I'm not saying he won't. I'm just, a, I'm concerned. Mm. And do you think that, like, I have no reason to be concerned? He's had two very important fights. that, yeah. he, And he did not capitalize as far as the entertainment aspect of it. You don't think that hinders him at all? You think just these two wins with no type of, like, highlights or anything special in a row, two fights in a row like that. You don't think that hinders him at all? The point here is to get to title contention. He is there now. Definitely doesn't That's hinder true. him. On his record, what does it say? Win. What does the previous one say? Come on. Yeah. We know what this is. This is an inches game. This is inching towards a title. And from a management point of view, if I was MTK Global, I'd be saying, well done, son. Just one more and you're in. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I'm just, you know, you know me, I get worried for these fighters cuz he is like in title contention, but once he started grappling heavy or having these close fights, I started to mm. get a little worried because it's like notice when he head kicks Jimmy Manoa to another solar system, everybody's talking. Yeah. Everyone, that's when everyone's like title contention. You know, that's mm -hmm. when everyone's like, man, that's when you start matchmaking him and like Izzy, John, that's when you're like, ooh, but when like he has performances like Anthony Smith and the one he just had against Tiago Santos, that buzz goes away a little bit. You're not as intrigued to start matchmaking and stuff. So I think his next fight, if it's not for a title, he should, you know, maybe spice it up a little bit, try to get people wanting to see him fight for a title rather than even just being there for a title. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, I, I hear you about spicing things up. Just a little bit. Two fights on. in a row this, like this, that this, 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 makes me yeah. nervous. Makes me I hear you. Yeah, yeah. What about... Uh, Islam Makachev and Drew Dober. I'm also nervous, too, for, for Islam. <laughs> I, um, I'm very nervous for him because the performance he put on last night was damn near stunning. Uh, he outclassed, just didn't let this... I mean, did Drew Dober throw a punch, man? Like... <laughs> wow and and before this fight mike remember all the buzz from khabib saying this is the guy that's going to replace me this is the guy like yeah he's, he's the yes. like the star of our gym y'all just don't know it mm. and i think last night he kind of like khabib's uh, words hold true and what i'm nervous about is that he's going to be hard to book a fight for next Ain't no, he's, Why, because he's, nobody will fight him? Yeah, I don't, I, good luck with that. Outside of Kevin Lee and maybe <laughs> Tony Ferguson and RDA, I, I don't know who's going to fight him. He's low reward. He's mm. high risk, low reward. You know what I mean? You're not exactly getting paid a lot of money to fight him. Yes, he's cool and famous in Dagestan maybe, but he's just not. I don't know. I He's risky. I wouldn't fight him. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I was in the lightweight division. Look what he did to Drew Dober. Yeah. No, I hear you. And, you know, for Islam Makachev to come back after, I'm sure it's something like 18 months he was out. It was a long time. And it looked and like to nothing, do that, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And also, exactly. also but, too, mm. Mike, I don't mean to cut you off my bad. In the, in the chat, Jamie, you know, who's been grappling for years, someone brought it up yeah. to her like, yeah, but can he do that for five rounds? Can he, like, always keep up that cardio? And it was very scary, her response. Jamie was like, yeah, he's probably not even really going hard. He's having his way with Drew so much that this is probably like a walk in the park. And she was like, I definitely wow. think that he can keep doing this. And not only that, she was just like, I don't even think he's going full speed. He's just having his way Jeez. with him. She, you know why she said that, too? 
which I thought was really interesting. She was like, Islam doesn't train with people as bad as Drew Dober on the ground. He trains with people <laughs> as good as him. So that forces him to go really hard. And she's sure of it mm. that he can go five rounds. And guess what? She trains. So people that train in the lightweight division with Islam also know that. You know what I'm saying? So I just yeah. think he's going to be hard to book a fight. They will. I'm not saying he's going to be blackballed. But from what I saw last night, y'all be careful. It sounds like he might be the truth, yo. Like, fuck around. He become champ God. or some shit. Yeah. Like. Yeah. No. God help who they give him next because he is terrifying. And to kind of like get the, the well... <laughs> To get the nod that he's not really going 100%, damn. But I tell you who was going 100% yesterday. Aldermain Sterling against Piotr Jan. Now, we know how this ended. This isn't how we saw um, the first Jamaican or the, 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 the first champion of Jamaican descent lifting the belt aloft. But, you know, mm-hmm. Piotr Jan did that intentionally he threw that knee with bad intentions and there's no way after the ref has told him that his hands are still on the ground and he you grounded opponent there's no way that he can say that it was a mistake he was told literally seconds before he threw that knee what did you reckon oh i reckon that peter yan is like he went from you know, beefing with Aljamain online to like people calling him racist to now I'm like, he's damn near like a Marvel villain from Russia. Like he's awful. Like, and then even after he need him illegally and it's illegal either way you spin it because the refs told Peter Yan he was grounded. And then Peter Yan decided to ignore the ref and ask his coach if he could do it. And he, and then they told him yes. And he still did it. The ref told you not to need the ref already told you that the person officiating and in charge of the ring told you you couldn't do it. Instead, you ignored mm-hmm. him and you asked your coach and he said yes. And whether it's the coach was wrong, Peter, it doesn't matter. It was wrong. It's illegal. If we can drag Greg Hardy, a newer fighter, for illegally slamming, you know, kneeing somebody and not knowing the rules. Oh, we can drag a, a fucking champion that should know the rules even more than Greg Hardy. <laughs> like, let's keep the same energy. And it was a damn shame. And I do not think for one second Aljamain Sterling was acting. I'm seeing some people on nah. on fucking Twitter that are telling me he should have kept going. He was acting. It was fixed. And I think all y'all need to suck a dick and y'all don't fight for mm. real. You know what I'm saying? Like, not even just train. I don't think people like that have even been in a fight. Take a, a knee to the, to the head by a grown-ass professional fighter. Take a knee to the head from some homeless guy and see what happens. You're not getting yeah, up either, exactly. let alone Peter Yan. And and then and then hmm. on top of it, do they does Aljamain come off like a guy that would fucking want that type of ending? How hard he worked for his fucking title shot, he was denied, he was he was ignored, and, and he finally gets it, and you think he wants the belt like this? What's wrong with y'all? Yeah. Exactly. But, man, but fuck Made Peter me Yan, question yeah. people's perspectives. And these people basically no training in their repertoire. And have never, ever taken a shot like that. But yeah. still, you know, Aljamain Sterling should have just walked it off. Those people Shut don't even that. don't even have the balls to do um, fucking evening Muay Thai classes like adults, like <laughs> some adults. You know, I always talk about boxer size because I do it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like they don't mm. even do boxer size. Yet you can tell Aljamain Sterling that he fucking faked that shit. Like you don't even exercise, let alone been in a fight. A kneecap to the head (laughs) is devastating. And then the soft part of his head, the temple, good damn night, please. And then they had to hold him up afterwards. He was acting, Mike. But here's the thing, here's the thing, enough negativity, Mm. here's Mm. some positivity. Jamie put me onto this, and this is a good way of thinking. Aljamain Sterling is about to get an immediate rematch. He's about to get fucking paid. And now he has video to watch to improve upon his mistakes and to try to win this belt again. This was a blessing in disguise, if you think about it. Cunning plan, yeah. Okay, not what he wanted, but you roll with it and you try and like make uh, lemonade out of lemons. But yeah, exactly. I I I like that. I like that kind of like outlook. And the key to me is not just the money because they're gonna pay him. But the key mm-hmm. is that he now has footage to analyze as to see what went wrong. Because we all saw what went wrong. My man got tired and could not yeah. stay in Peter Jan's face. And the key to beating Peter Jan is all that unorthodox stri- striking and pressure. 
and mm. he's got to build up his cardio so that he can do that for five fucking rounds. It's the only way he's going to beat him because Peter Yan's fight IQ is too high for you to start getting fucking tired. And he has no problem eating a shot to hit you. And you know what I love about Peter Yan, even though he's a fucking Russian villain? He knows that he has to eat a shot when he comes forward. But what he does is make sure that he's defensively sound to a T. He looks like a fucking turtle shelled up coming forward while you hit him. (laughs) But he takes no damage. But then he comes in, he damages you after he unturtles himself. You know what I mean? It's, It's so dope. And while he's doing that, he's figuring out how to beat you. Now he's got your timing. I said it in the chat. I was like almost bragging like, look, y'all, I told y'all the longer this fight goes on, it's better for Peter. And you did you see it, Mike? Did you see him just quietly figure out the timing? Yeah. Did you see him just start landing really Mm -hmm. hard shots and Aljamain's mouth Mm -hmm. is wide open? He's getting tired. Aljamain now has footage of that. Knocked him down. Yes. And now Aljamain has the recipe to kind of like, how do we fix that and come back even Mm. stronger? It's a blessing in disguise. I hope he listens to the show. Don't be upset about last night. What happened last night was a blessing. I almost want to say it was God. It's a blessing in disguise. Take it and run with it and come back. Exactly. I tell you, someone who doesn't need help with cardio, <laughs> Amanda Nunes. What? Oh <laughs> she needs no cardio. Just, just go in there and just walk your opponent down. Didn't I, tell I mean, yeah. didn't I say Megan Megan was a sacrifice, and that's what we saw? Yeah, that's what it looked like. It looked like you know a hungry lioness being fed, you know, a nice juicy bit of lamb. <laughs> Exactly. And she, <laughs> she, you know, she rolled up her sleeves and she put it on her napkin on her chest and she just, yeah. you know, she got busy with that meal. It was delicious. And But we all knew what was going to happen. I mean, there's just so many reasons as to why we knew that was going to happen. First and foremost, off the top, she's the greatest female fighter possibly of all time. That's one. So she's not only just the best of her divisions, she's possibly one of the best fighters of all time. And Megan Anderson yep. was given this shot because the division is shallow. That does not mean that she's title or that she's title shot worthy. Like she, you know what I mean? Like she had one knockout on the prelims and then she's been beaten up by a couple of other girls and then voila, title shot because there's no one left. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. you're good enough to fight her. So that's why it looked the way that it looked. And Mike, please tell me you saw the footage of her walking around backstage looking like she was going to throw up. She looked nervous backstage. She looked nervous She looked nervous out. on the walkout. Yeah, that's right. She looked very, very like just like she looked like, like she, she filled her pants, up. man. Seriously, yeah. like she either looked like yeah. she's gonna piss herself or throw up. And I'm not even like being yeah. mean, but that's how she looked. That, yep, one hundred percent. And she was even paler than usual. I was like, oh, she's even paler than she usually is. Like she looked blue, and mm. you could tell it was the nerves were getting to her. And then Mike, when she felt the power of Amanda Nunes, you could see the panic in her face. Her eyes got big yeah. and you were like, oh, this is what everybody's talking it. about. Yeah, like, yeah. and mercy that Amanda found that triangle armbar very quickly. And again, you know why she found it so quickly? Cause Megan sucks on the ground, man. Like, <laughs> it just is what it is. Like, she's all right with striking and her ground game suck. Basically, you shouldn't have been fighting the, the challenge, the title, you know, the, the champ in the first place. And the outcome was what we all knew what it would be. Look at this shit. Mm-hmm. I have it open on my computer now. 19 strikes versus two. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, wow. Yeah, 18 significant strikes versus two. So basically, the whole fight, poor <laughs> Megan landed four punches, you know? So it is what it is. We all knew this was happening. But when, but when mm-hmm. we get mismatches, Mike, what do I always say on the show? The person that is the obvious supposed to win this fight is supposed to demolish the person that wasn't supposed to be fighting you. And that's what we saw. And sometimes those fights are fun. I enjoyed (laughs) it. Speaking of enjoyed, I have to say the main event, Jan Blakowicz and Israel Adesanya, I loved it. I enjoyed it. What did you make of it? Um, I didn't really enjoy it. But it, 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 you know, it happened, it was here, and what I did like about it is that Jan proved me wrong. I really thought Israel was going to cut angles on him and kind of destroy him when Jan comes in, you know, like the way that he does when he just suddenly decides to stop using his jab and just come running forward. Um, you might have been alone on that. You might have been probably the only person I know uh, who picked yeah, um, Israel. 
Yeah, I picked Israel to win. I, and, and a lot of us on my timeline, <laughs> on my end, and in the Twitter chats, most of us were picking him because of his elusive really? striking. Yeah, like, we, I, I, listen, puncher's chance versus someone that has more tools in their back pocket is always the person I'm going to pick. I just wasn't mm. comfortable, oh, he's bigger and um, he's stronger than – that's not enough for me. Meanwhile, Izzy's got this slick counter game. Izzy is already the – you know, Izzy has shown us some extraordinary takedown defense, he, you know, against Kevin. Like, there was just so much more going on with Izzy, even with him going – up a weight class that I still picked him but what happened John was too big for him when he took him down Izzy wasn't able to get up like he did with Kelvin Gastelum right nah exactly he was, he was drowning big. yeah he, he drowned on on the ground and not only was did he drown him on the ground because he was too big what's up with Israel and all those feints that was working but he couldn't capitalize on them because he was in fear of of Yan's like heavy kicks and punches too yeah yeah you like, could see, you know, he buzzed his chin a few times and he was like, nah, nah, forget that. <laughs> I don't it, want and that. It, and it affected um, how smooth he usually fights. I mean, when he's in his yeah. normal weight class, is he not the one that's like, oh, a word? You want to overreach? Goodbye, Robert Whitaker. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you make yep. a mistake with him or if you fall for his feints too much, ask Derek Brunson what happens. You eat too many, you fall for too many feints, you're going to get kicked up. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blocking for a head kick. No, Israel comes over the top. Like, and he was <laughs> doing that with Jan, but he couldn't capitalize. And because of that, I think it stunted his performance. He just wasn't smooth. But meanwhile, yeah. Jan was. He, he out-wrestled him. And not just that, he knew when to take him down, when to hold him down later in the rounds. Smart. And I, I, Very. I, yeah, Jan had a good performance, and not just that, Mike. Tell me, tell me, after watching this, Izzy beats fucking John Jones? Nah, ain't, ain't gonna happen. But what I liked about this was, I have a very romanticized view about matchups, as you know, and I love the fact that this was champion versus champion. I love the fact as well, there was no tentativeness in this. You know, strike for strike, these guys were really going at it. Yes, there were times that... Israel had his is he had his chin buzzed and um, you know almost had his his legs kicked out from under him. But for me, I just love the fact that he was still in the fight. He was still game until you know the last round. Now, I personally, um, I, I agree with you. I don't think that he's up there um, in terms of caliber and and could face anybody like John Jones. But it was nice to see this. Like I say, uh, I, I'm a champions versus champions type of guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with you on that. I am over champ versus champ. Uh, quite honestly, <laughs> no, it holds up the division. And it's like that champ, like Israel, he get he gets to find out that he's too small for the division. Ooh, and they gave us a kind of like a lackluster fight. Like it wasn't worth it. It really wasn't. He should have stayed in his weight class and and kept, you know, beating people up in his weight class, clear out the division, and then maybe fight Jan. But this whole experiment with Jan was unnecessary, and it should have been Jan versus Glover. And I'd like to say that Jan versus Glover is more of an intriguing matchup than Israel versus Adesanya. Glover might give this big old Polish man with Polish power problems more so than Israel did. And that's the fight I want to see. And also, too, Mike, Champ Champ is just kind of overrated, done too much, and fans are not as excited about it. Sorry. It doesn't <laughs> cause the same buzz. It doesn't. Wow. Sorry, I was just distracted as you you were speaking and half listening and having a look at what's going on in the chat. Rather misleading headline there, uh, bj.com, bjpen.com. This is from Dan Hardy. Not entirely accurate either. I'm no longer working directly with the UFC. Pause, the that means you're fired. Irrelevant. Go ahead. <laughs> Start over, Mike. I interrupted. Can you imagine, Mike? Look how, look at the gaslighting. I, I, I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt you, but I have to harp on this. I am no mm. longer working directly with the UFC, but I didn't quit. <laughs> but he didn't mention quitting. Sir, I cannot stand gaslighters. Just be quiet. Don't respond to BJPenn.com. This is why I always say Dan Hardy is emotional. You have a girlfriend yeah. at home. Why don't you tweet her or talk to her about how you really feel? Because you come off like you're in the mm. throes of menopause. Like, this is enough. Mm. But go ahead with the gaslighting and excuses tweet. Keep reading. <laughs> but no the second part it, it was a disagreement over an opportunity missed or withheld and I'd love some answers but can't get any <laughs> you're not the victim Dan Hardy how about that that's why you didn't get any you acted crazy backstage and you got fired 
That's what happened. You got fired for the U- UFC because you acted crazy with Herb Dean. You acted crazy on a fucking broadcast. And we all heard you screaming and hollering at Herb Dean when, for again, menopause. He could not control his emotions and be like, I'm a holler at Dan backstage man to man and have a conversation with him. No, he approaches him, causes a fit and an embarrassing uh, argument for all the fans to hear with no fans in the group. Now he's fucking... Yeah. And then he attacks children online. Somebody told him something, <laughs> and he was like, oh, it was a 16-year-old. Oh, you, you started training at 16? It's too late. You'll never be a star. Can you, can you yeah. go get treated for your, like, hormonal issues? Like, he's just too <laughs> volatile. And now his, his attitude and, and, and just his emotions got him fired. And also, it's also called being unprofessional. And here he is gaslighting us. Sir, you didn't quit. You no longer work for the UFC because you have a history of acting crazy at work. So see you later. And he won't be missed. I do like his breakdowns, but he's too emotional. For, he's like hot-headed. He's got to go. I see why they um, let him go. It's too much. What's he going to do? Fight a ref next? Yeah. He's going to fight a fan? It, 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 it would seem so. You know, That's why he got speaking. fired. That's <laughs> too much. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Whilst you're speaking, I've just dropped down a, uh, a WhatsApp. So I'm going to be bringing this to the table on the next Shots Fired, which will be obviously dropping midweek. And by then, hopefully Dan would have got back to me and we'll have a more elaborate and we'll have a more um, full answer. We'll be back uh, with other points which have been brought to the table, not just mine, in the midweek episode of Shots Fired. But now... Gee, it has been incredible as always. I will catch you on the next episode.